Does it have one of those cool voiceover things to give me a cool voice on the recording? Like cool voice. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so feedback from you guys. Um, what are some concepts that are hard to understand? The Trinity. The Trinity. That is awesome. Any other concepts? The fall. The fall. Yep. What about God's love? Because some bad stuff happens in this world. So is God's love always easy to understand? So maybe we're, we might have to help people understand an attribute of God by using a practical illustration. Any other ideas? Have you ever been asked a niggly question at school and you're like, I don't know? Or have you ever asked one of those questions and someone said, I don't know? What sorts of questions are those? What sort of concepts are those? Any, any ideas? What's that right and wrong? Yeah, what's right and wrong? Cool. Yeah, so that's just some ideas to get you started. And so we want to think about those hard things that are hard for us to understand and, and ask God to help us. Okay, God, in your world that you've made, that I can see, that I can feel, that I can touch, that I can experience, what are those things can I, like, can help me understand this thing that I'm, like, freaking out over because it just doesn't make sense? Okay, spoiler alert. I usually speak to really young children. I've, like, done three years of Bible in schools to new entrants, which are five-year-olds. And then, like, one of my classes was six-year-olds. And so I'm sorry if I, like, get all squeaky and high-pitched on you. I apologize. <laughs> it just happens. Um, practical illustrations may start or finish with it's like, think of it this way for example like the story showed us it's kind of like an analogy um, but better because it's about the Bible um, so practical illustrations at their very core are stories that simplify a difficult concept into a bite-sized piece. So I have an example for you. A student once asked his religious education teacher, who happens to be my brother-in-law, um, if God kills people when they go to hell, hasn't he killed way more people than he has saved? Well, that's a big question to just throw out there in the middle of school. It's a huge concept. So how do you answer that in a school setting, in a bite-sized piece, in a way that addresses the real issue. So the teacher replied, it's kind of like this. Okay, buzzwords, we know. A practical illustration on its way. The principal knows that a bomb is going to be dropped on the school. He tells the whole school, a bomb is headed our way. Everything and everyone who is on property will be destroyed. Don't worry though, we have enough buses for every single person on property to be taken to safety. You would agree that the principal had just made and told everyone the way of escape, right? All the students have to do to be saved is choose to get on one of those buses. So has the principal killed the students who refused to get on the bus? And so using a practical illustration, this teacher gave a simple answer that actually addressed the real issue about personal choice. So that's really cool. And so, yeah, we don't actually have to be afraid 
of people asking us questions or um, we don't have to be afraid of not understanding the whole Bible because we can understand it piece by piece. And as leaders, this is not just for leaders who stand up the front. This is for anyone who has the chance to speak truth into someone's life. If you are walking with a camper from one side of camp to the other side of camp, you have the opportunity to speak truth into that kid's life or teenager's life or adult's life. And so a practical illustration might just help them put two pieces together and give them a better understanding of God. So I just have some things to think about that practical illustrations are not. Practical illustrations are not a replacement for God's word. Okay? And this is really important because stories are so fun to tell. Who gets excited about a good story? Anyone here? Anyone love a good story? Yeah, we all love stories. Okay, who likes to go to the movies and watch? Yeah, okay, that's a story. We like to see stories. We like to hear stories. We like to be involved in stories. If we're not, we're like, oh, my life is so boring. Nothing ever happens to me. Let me tell you, stuff is happening in your life. You just have to open your eyes and see it and then tell people about it. I always joke with my family that I need to join the police force and get better work stories because, like, I come home and say, ha oh, so today I got five emails from Ash Kabar saying, Dear Carol, Madam, Sir, I saw you on your ministry website. Come do ministry in Africa with me. Blessings forever. <laughs> and I deleted it. <laughs> All five of them! And so, yeah, my work stories are really not that interesting. But, um, so I, I joke with my family. Point being, we all like a good story. And so sometimes when we have the opportunity to give a practical illustration, we can get like way carried away with the illustration story part and like forget that we're actually trying to help people understand this book so they can understand God better. So practical illustrations are not a replacement for God's word. Practical illustrations <laughs> are not an opportunity to talk only about yourself. Now, definitely use personal examples and experiences, but we have to make sure they have a point. They have to have a conclusion, and they have to clearly link to the truth you are explaining. And so we need to be diligent in planning our illustrations out because they can quickly become pointless when they're made on the fly or on the go. And this happened to me all the time at Bible and schools because I thought that I had prepared this awesome lesson about Jesus and the disciples. And as soon as you say disciple to a five-year-old, they're like, so the other day, and then they like punch each other and they take their socks off and they do cartwheels on the mat and so they like take out all their friends. And you're like, okay, children. So, and then like I would just make up this story on the fly and I'd like get halfway into it and I'd be like, there's no retreating. I have to finish this. Where am I going? And it was awful and all the children are entertained, but I was not using my 30 minutes well. So, I just talked a lot about myself, but it has a point, hopefully. Not to talk only about yourself, because Carol's life is not actually 
in this book. So something in my life can help me illustrate something that I need to learn from this book. But I just need to make sure that all of my stories have a point. Practical illustrations are not about teaching application. Now application is really exciting because it's the doing part of the lesson, right? But I, we're going to talk about this a little bit more so I'm not going to get too carried away. Teaching is not actually about handing your listeners a to-do list. As teachers, when we help our listeners see the beauty and truth of the story of God, we help them see it's a story they are part of. It's a story they can connect to and relate to. And when our illustrations allow them to see the beauty of Christ and how amazing the gospel is, that is what will bring change. So I don't need to tell a story about how Johnny was a good boy so that all of the Johnnies sitting on my mat decide that they can be a good boy. No, Johnny might learn about how Jesus is amazing and that changed his life so that all the little kids will be like, Jesus is amazing. I want my life to change because of Jesus. And so this is crazy because it's so much easier to tell stories about application, about what we should do and where should we should go and how we should speak and what we should look like and how we should help old people cross the street and how we should bake goodies for grandmas and all of these things to do. But that is not what is important. What is important is that the children see that they are included in the story of God. And so this is what our practical illustrations are going to endeavor to teach. And so my next question for us is why are practical illustrations important? So there are these illustrations that help us break down a big truth into a bite-sized piece. Why are they actually important? Can't you just like give people the cold hard facts? Well, we're going to back this train up and ask a different question. I think the question we should ask first is, why is good teaching important? Has anyone ever sat under a teacher and they're like, I love this teacher. They are so interesting all the time. Yeah. Has anyone ever sat under a teacher or a lecturer and you're like, I am slowly losing the will to live. Or is that only me? Have any of you ever liked that under people like that? Yeah. And so I want to share with you today just one little piece of paper that says good teaching is important. And being a teacher does not mean that you've been to school and gotten a degree or that you like get a cool little stand up here. Being a teacher is when you are coming alongside someone and showing them one more step from where they are. Okay, so all of you who are here as leaders, you can be teachers. And so it is important that you decide to be a good teacher. Surveys all throughout the Western church show that young people are leaving the church. And the top five answers, because people have like, done these surveys and collected all these answers and really it boiled down to five main reasons people are leaving the church. Number one, they don't know 
how to apply God's word to their life. They say, church is not relevant. Number two, they don't connect with the standard lecture type style of preaching. They say, church is boring. They don't feel like they belong to the church community. They say they love me, but I don't see it or feel it. Number four, they say, I'm busy. And number five, they say, well, my friends don't go to church. Well, of course, they're going to be busy hanging out with their friends if church is an irrelevant, boring, and careless place, yeah? The good news is that reasons one through three, church isn't relevant, church is boring, I don't feel like I belong, these can actually be addressed by being good teachers. And once those main top three things are addressed, they're not going to be too busy for church. They're not going, all of their friends are going to be coming along as well because they're going to be saying, oh my goodness, church is such an amazing community and God's word has power. Come to church with me, people. It might not actually happen like that, but that's the dream. Um, and so, my friends, it is our responsibility, our responsibility, your responsibility to be a good teacher. As leaders, teachers, and speakers, we have the opportunity and the challenge to be a good teacher. And the rest is up to our audience because it actually does take work to be a good listener. And we've sort of heard those two things already in the main sessions. And so good teaching is important um, because we want the truth to be relevant and exciting and change lives. And to be a good teacher is hard work. So I'll give you two little, two little tips. A good teacher helps their students by setting goals. They set goals for their students. And so again, I want to encourage you, this isn't about teaching a Sunday school lesson only or a lesson for youth group or or a lecture type thing. We are teachers in life. And I think that's really important for us all to recognize and accept. And so we have a goal for our students, whoever that person may be. An effective teacher provides an experience that helps their learner gain three things. We want our students to gain knowledge of God's word. When we are finished talking. We want them to have learned a truth. The second thing we want our students to gain is skills in using God's word. We want our students to be engaged and involved. And so you can do this by asking them to find a verse in the Bible or read a verse or look at a verse and say, ask a question and get them to answer, not off the top of their head, but by looking at the verse and being able to answer straight from the word of God. And thirdly, we want them to understand, we want them to gain understanding of how they can apply God's word to their life. So we really want to address those top three things. We want them to know that the story of God is extremely relevant to them because they themselves are part of the story. A good teacher also sets goals for themselves. 
And this is where it's scary, okay? Because I'm teaching teachers to teach. And I'm like, that's just not even a fair topic to ask someone to teach about. Because now you're all going to like, it's okay if you do, going to be like scoring me, scale of 1 to 10. Carol said she should teach like this, but she really didn't. Please give me constructive and helpful feedback. I appreciate that. Um, but I just need to be honest. This is like hard. This is hard, and this is the type of teacher that I want to be and that I pray I will grow into. And let me tell you, I know that I have a lot of work to get there. So goals for self. An, an effective teacher will bring three things to every teaching opportunity. They will bring relevance so that the listener recognizes themselves in the story. They will bring interest. Dr. Mary Herman says, a teacher has not taught until the lesson is expressed in a way every student can understand. Now, my friends, that is goals. Remember how I said I taught Bible in school class? That's like 27 five-year-olds that all learn differently. So as a teacher, I really have to think about how I am going to turn up to class on Tuesday morning and teach the lesson in such a way that 27 individuals understand it. That takes a lot of work. But it is so rewarding and it's so important and it, and it is achievable. Um, number three, an effective teacher will care for each listener. And this happens especially outside of teaching times. Um, we, if you ever have the opportunity to speak into someone's life, make sure that you listen to them twice as much. And for some of us who like words come very easily, man, I get carried away so often. I'm like, I should have just done a whole lot more listening. And that is something I constantly have to work on. And so as as teachers and leaders yourself, make sure that when you're coming alongside people that you're actually taking the time to listen to them um, because then they will feel very, very cared for. So, do you think, this is a real question, not a rhetorical question, do you think that using practical illustrations help us accomplish good teaching? Yes, no. Yes. Awesome. I would say yes, they do. They are not the only way to accomplish good teaching. Good news. Um, but they are a way to accomplish good teaching. And so we can go back to the initial question, why are practical illustrations important? What makes them special? And I would say that practical illustrations are in this sort of special category almost on their own because they bring understanding of the truth in a way that guides the listener to application. So we teach truths, we guide application, and our practical illustrations are the catalyst for that. They are the thing that creates that moment of change and understanding. So we're taking someone through our illustration and we stop here, and hopefully it clicks in, and they're like, I need to go this way. And then they have applied the lesson themselves. And that is exciting, because that means 
they are owning their own relationship with Christ. More on that a little bit later. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is going to be telling a story. He's going to be giving a practical illustration. And you're going to see how he teaches the truth and he guides application. Starting in verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. Can you see how Jesus didn't preach an application message about how to act on the words you hear? That's not what his story was. His story was, if you act on the words, you're like the wise man. If you don't, your collapse will be great. And so this is like, um, this was like blowing my mind while I'm studying this. I'm like, he was teaching them a truth. And then every single listener got the picture. And now every single listener was accountable for how they responded. Would they act on the words they had heard? Would they act on the truth? Would they start the journey of figuring out what that meant in their daily life? Because Jesus didn't give them a to-do list. And so we come to how practical illustrations can bring change. And this is what I'm most excited about. Because as I was, as I was studying and preparing for this, I'm thinking the greatest thing we can do as, as teachers, as speakers of truth, is help people come um, one step further in their relationship with God. So that might be one step to understanding the gospel. That might be the step of actually accepting the gospel and being saved. That might be one step in their sanctification where they understand what the gospel means for their daily life and how their life should always be changing. And I'm like, well, if practical illustrations are just stories, like, what is the big deal? Like, anyone can tell a story. Anyone can read a story. Like, why are they so important? Why do people even connect with stories? And so I'm thinking and thinking, and I realize that practical illustrations can bring change. And it's not like a magic formula, like, but they actually can bring change. And we're going to read a story straight from the Bible about a time when this happened, but that's for a little later. Dr. Mary Herman, who I've quoted before, she actually has a doctorate in how to teach, so I thought she was like a reliable resource to use, um, said, keep in mind that a story illustration 
is the most effective way to teach a new concept. Whenever possible, place God's truth into story form. Now, this is not to say that the Bible is not interesting in and of itself. Rather, using practical illustrations help guide our listeners into seeing the beauty and truth of the story of God. We help them see it is a story they are part of. And so that is pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's like... So that in February, my horse got an abscess in her hoof, which is um, an infection that's like real pussy, but it's in her hoof and it's like not coming out. And so it was really painful and finally it popped out the top of her hoof and then she could walk again because she was like... And I was trying to be a good owner and like go see her and I gave her a foot bath and Epsom salts twice a day and I brushed her, I gave her painkiller and I loved her and I did not want her to be in pain. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm such a good owner, I'm spending all this time with my horse, I'm driving all this way. But you know, spending two hours with a horse out of a 24 hour day, it's actually not being with my horse in her greatest hours of pain. That's like 22 hours that I was not there. And so, if I'm telling you, if I'm telling this story to illustrate how Jesus never leaves us in our hour of pain, I need to tell that story and then open the Bible and be really, really excited about Isaiah 53 that says, Jesus himself took all of our sorrows and griefs so that we never have to be alone. And that is what we get excited about. But so easy, it is so easy to tell you all about the horse and how it was sad and how she couldn't walk and da 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 blah, 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 blah. Or as my sister's Mandarin teacher would say, blah, 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 <laughs> which is so much more fun. And then to say, yes, you can read about how Jesus is with you in your pain. And Isaiah 53. And now on to the next thing. No, my friends, because what is the most exciting? The most exciting thing is the gospel. So we always have to be aware that when we are trying to encourage understanding and truth and life change, that we're doing it in such a way that people, when they hear the truth of God's word, that is what amazes them. Dr. Mary Herman has this resource that lists things to consider when teaching different age groups. And so this is crazy because practical illustrations can bring change because they specifically address the learning needs of every age bracket. People connect with stories. That is so exciting. So we are going to use that, harness its power, and use it for the glory of God. Three to five-year-olds love stories. You don't even have to be a good storyteller. You can go, woo, peek-a-boo, you know, suspense. Ha, 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 they love it. My five-year-olds at Bible and schools, sometimes if they were being wild and crazy and like not paying attention,
like from them. Yeah, it was incredibly effective. Because they didn't know what was going to happen next. And they wanted to know what was going to happen next. Because they love stories. Now you're all like not five, so <laughs> I shouldn't be like tiptoeing around and hiding from you because you connect to stories in different ways. Um, six to nine year olds, actually storytelling is their primary method of learning. And so you tell them a story and they, they get it. You give them a math book and say, learn this, Billy. And they're going to be like, I need help. But if mom went to the store and bought two apples and dad went to the store and bought two oranges, how many pieces of fruit do you have when you get home? Ah, did you even realize this was happening in your life? Because storytelling actually does help us learn. Um, in 9 to 12 year olds, storytelling becomes a way to introduce biblical truth. 12 to 16 year olds, um, they say that examples and illustrations have to be used for the story to be interesting. They want to see themselves in the story. They don't want to hear a story about someone far away once upon a time. We know that never happened. Tell me a story about me. Tell me a story I can relate to. Now this is exciting because what story do we all relate to? This story, the amazing story of the gospel. So 12 to 16 year olds, come in for you. It's exciting. Practical illustrations can bring change. So 15 to 18 year olds and beyond they want practical, applicable knowledge. They want to be involved in the lesson. And so you can involve them by asking questions and by getting them to look in their Bibles and all sorts of different things. And so practical illustrations help us speak truth in a way that all ages can connect with and understand. And what I want to leave with you finally is that relatable stories matter. When the number one reason for children and young people leaving the church is church isn't relevant, I would say that relatable stories matter. And the most relatable story of all time, Carol the Broken Record, is going to say the Bible, the gospel, this story is relevant. But do I know that? Do you know that? Can you tell that to the people you have the opportunity to link with? When a student can, or camper, or whoever you're speaking truth to, can visualize what is happening in the story or situation, they invest and they become involved. They actually connect emotionally and physically, which is why stories are a catalyst for spiritual change because we want to teach the truth and guide them to that place of application. Because being involved leads to owning it. And owning it leads to change. And life change is what we want to leave with the people we lead. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Okay, verses, 2 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament, sort of 
halfway through the Old Testament. It's page 272 in my Bible, if you have the same one. Probably you don't. So if we're all there, we're going to start in verses one, in verse 1 of chapter 12. Nathan is a prophet and David is a king. David, King David. You might know him from David and Goliath. He's the king. And Nathan has a certain message from the Lord to give to David. And so we're going to see through this story, this journey of involvement leading to ownership, leading to change. So the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he arrived, he said to him, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had bought. It lived and grew up with him and his children. It shared his meager food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms and it was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest, David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. And so we see, just by Nathan telling a little story about two sheep and two men, David is super involved. He is so involved that he actually gets infuriated over this story. I would say David was very emotionally involved. Well, it goes beyond that. David then decides to take ownership of the situation. And so we see in verse 6, David continues, Because this man has done this thing and shown no pity, he must pay four lambs for that lamb. So all of a sudden, David has taken ownership. It's not just that he's mad at this guy anymore. It's that as king, this man will pay for what he has done. So David is doing something about it. He is owning it. And this story is about to become the catalyst for change. As Nathan brings David to the point of truth. In verse 7, Nathan replied to David, You are the man. He has taught the truth. And David now stands on the brink of application. Nathan is not going to say, and this is what you have to do. No. Nathan goes on to explain to David exactly what he's done. We will pick up the story in verse 13. David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And then we know from continuing the story and reading other parts of the Bible, especially in Psalms, that we see David chose to repent. And so we see through this story, through this practical illustration, about two sheep, two men, David getting involved, David taking ownership, and David deciding to change and making that choice to repent. And so when I was... When I found that story, I was like, wow. When I speak truth to people, are they understanding it? Are they getting the truth? 
are they realizing that they are the person in the story? That they can make a choice to be right with God? And that is all for today.